again, grifters. Welcome back to the Leverage 10 podcast, Inside the Writer's Room. As always, I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today we rounded up the usual suspects, executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, John Rogers and Chris Downey, and executive story editor, Josh Shear. In this episode, we'll be talking about when genres collide. What does the word genre really mean when applied to our show, and what genre is Leverage really? We've put together some questions to explore this topic with, uh, with our fans, so if you're ready, I'll start us off. Absolutely. I have, I have, I have a drink. drink. Can you hear? It? You can hear this clink of the glasses. What do you think? Clink of the ice. I just found some. I don't know. Some don't bush put, mills. Don't put random brown fluid in a glass. That's not good. <laughs> what is your definition of a genre show? And if you had to define leverage's genre, what would that be? Um, wow. uh, well, a genre. Boy, we need the we need the Wesleyan you. film students. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would know. say. Well, it's different. A genre show as it's understood <laughs> in television. Uh, I love your description. I forget what we were talking about. We were talking about the difference between literary fiction, like young adult fiction, and you right. scornfully said, "You mean, you mean young adult fiction where stuff actually happens, yes. <laughs> as opposed to literary fiction where people talk about how impotent they are endlessly." Right. Their their midlife um, crisis at a yeah. small Midwestern college. Uh, the I tell you what, genre usually means there are certain um, uh, you know visual and storytelling signifiers that identify pieces of art as all being from the same thematic school, but. I would uh, I would say that um, as far as genre goes, I think we're pulp. Yes, that's what I always say. Yes, yes. Because pulp is um, heightened reality, uh, heightened emotions, uh, action, and um, a, a core morality, okay. which I would say are the signifiers of sort of pulp writing, mm-hmm. or at least pulp as it's evolved. Right, but devoted to keeping you uh, constantly engaged yes. and uh, and you know w- with a little tongue in cheek. I, I always say the price of attention is entertainment. Yeah. And I think we you know we try to live by that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of leads us into our next question. Leverage, while not technically technically being a genre show itself, you know, meaning more sci-fi or fantasy, it seems to yeah, have a genre, man. Well, why did you why did you try to fake us out with that I first question? To, I that was really to expand to uh, you know, well. keep our audience involved and where's, where's my blue book? It's the Socratic <laughs> method where they just call on people. I don't even get to raise my hand. You can raise your hand for the it's next question. Group I need to go see in about ten minutes playing in yeah. the quad. Down, is it down in the jazz course. bar down in the? Uh, <laughs> Leverage, while not technically being a genre show itself, it seems to have a really large following among genre-specific audiences. Why do you think that is? Uh, Josh, why handle this? I know why. Um, well, just get, getting back to the genre thing, the uh, the uh, the Wesleyan definition of genre is. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, the, the, I think one of the connotations of genre, just to go back a second, and it'll lead into my answer for this question, is that um, plot outweighs character, and that is. Not the definite that that is not how leverage handles it at all. A lot of times we're having character really drive plot, but you know when you're talking about a genre movie, a lot of times it is. It, 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 think of the horror uh, viewer who's yelling at the screen, "Why are you going in the house?" That's a genre. That's a genre decision. It's a genre movie because the plot drives uh, the plot drives the movie as opposed to the character. Anyway, with regard to leverage, the reason that everybody seem you know from different genres seem to climb aboard is because we've got characters that exist in different genre. Uh, or subgenres. You've got Elliot and his sort of what would he do, and we'll get we'll get to this later. I see from the questions, what would he do in in a in a in an Elliot-centric episode is very different from what Parker would do in a Parker-centric episode. And I think we bring them all together for a nice sort of breakfast club kind of uh, action version uh, and well have some fun. That's that very yeah. good. That's I, very, your your professor of modes, media, and yes. codes would be very <laughs> impressed by over that. Here, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, I think that the, if you look at what fans uh, uh, decide our genre shows 
uh, they are all shows that, uh, based on the, the blog entry I wrote, the Squee Clever Continuum, mm. they all fall <laughs> slightly on the Squee side. They all they all are very involved in the emotional life of their characters mm. who live in heightened circumstances, be it supernatural or science fiction, or in our case, crime world is a heightened circumstance. Right. Uh, and that allows you to write bigger emotions. And I mm. think that... Uh, that that's why genre fans come to us is because unlike most crime procedurals where things are very cold, uh, they come and they get a lot of banter and action and things blowing up. Yeah, and there's the signifiers of other genre shows. There's mm-hmm. also a very practical reason why the fans come to us, and that is the uh, convention guys on our show. Um, uh, Christian Kane mm-hmm. uh, was on Angel, and Mark Do- Shepard. And Mark Shepard is is also been on a, just about every genre show imaginable. <laughs> the, the Mark Shepard Full Employment Act of 2010 was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and Will Wheaton, obviously, uh, yeah. uh, who has a devoted following, and and those guys, you know, have really branded themselves. Yeah. And their audience follows them, and and you know we've uh, you know that that's something that uh, you know I think brought a lot of science fiction fans to the show that might not have otherwise have watched it yeah. uh, and uh, it's been been you know a real gateway for a whole new group well, of people it's interesting because especially when you talk about like Shepard fans and stuff Shepard's been on a lot of shows where you're allowed to make speeches mm-hmm. you know there's there's something to be said for naturalistic dialogue and there's something to be said for every now and then just teeing off on a speech <laughs> and and that's kind of one of the things we do is we'll just every now and then so just tee off on a speech we'll drive to the hero line yeah, you know, just drive to that hero line that you know Dean calls it the fuck yeah moment, and uh, without without really any shame, you mm-hmm. know. And there's I think that's that emotional response is similar. Mm-hmm. When kind of talking about the fans, we know how well you can write genre, but as regular fans and viewers of television, what are some of your favorite genres to watch as far as entertainment value is concerned? Uh, well, I think you're talking about different shows within the the overall kind of genre slapdash definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really tri- yeah, Doctor Who fans on the yeah, show. I didn't know that. What? But I'll tell you, I'm if you're surprised. talking about like if you're talking about the crime world genre, then yeah, I go old school. It's Rockford. It's, it yeah. takes a thief. Um, not Switch. Not not really Switch. You know, we that. never we never made that trip to the Paley Center to find old episodes of Switch. <laughs> you know, we all, it was we're always gonna, something we, we were, were just gonna, gonna do. Pillage it. We were just we were gonna, gonna like watch. We were gonna take a day down at the Museum of Television and Radio. They're not available anywhere else. Somehow we haven't done it. I'm saying maybe we get we get a free day. We should do that. You should just go down and I'll bring some booze and we'll watch old episodes of Eddie Albert fighting crime. Eddie Albert was was the cop who caught Robert Wagner. Is Robert Wagner? It is. Yes. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That's... Yeah, I, I actually, I recently, um, at the recommendation of uh, a lot of folks on the staff, watched the full first season and only season of Terriers, which I thought was a just fantastic genre yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, owes a lot of influences to those. That was my most recent uh, one that caught on Netflix. Gotcha. No, I mean, I, I always, I grew up on... Jean-Paul Belmondo? I mean, yes, what, what did you guys absolutely. watch at Wesley? And well, it was the it, it, old Breathless? No, I had to watch that to get into Wesley. Now, here's the thing. That, uh, you know, as you know, Wesley, and if you if you feel a moment of joy watching something, you're you're out. <laughs> right. You're right. just... That's why you had the, the pen that you yeah, stick in your yeah, lap. Yeah, I just... Pavlovian. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I remember a class where um, 
I, I said to the, I said to my, you know, we were talking about our favorite movies, and I mentioned that Raiders of the Lost Ark was, you know, my number one of all time. And of course, you know, I was 18 at the time. It still is my favorite movie of all time. But when I said it, everybody just like <laughs> heads were were craning, <laughs> Snickers, and I was like, what, what, really, what, Scorsese, and uh, you know, with a movie people camera? wanted it to be, you know, important movies. And I'm thinking, the audience is supposed to enjoy them. I grew up on the A Team. I grew up on Manimal. And Auto Man. Um, these are some of the shows that inspired me, and you know, gave me the, you know, that sort of the key into the imagination for me. But um, you know, a lot of that stuff is 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 in leverage. A lot of that yeah. stuff is, you know, we're 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 helping the disenfranchise, and it was a different time and a different era. But we were talking about this the other day about um, about if entertainment's job is to make you feel, if that's its job is to make you feel something, then 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 it's a pretty wide net. You know, and that's uh, and maybe that's genre entertainment's first job is to elicit that sincere response out sure. of you. Yeah. We were talking about barbed wire though, that which is a little that's, yeah, that's it, really the argument there. falls apart a little there. Exactly. But, yeah. that, that whole argument is fruit of a poison tree, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but uh... when kind of following up on on influences and favorites, I've heard you mention before that Joss Whedon has been an influence on the way you write for television. Can you elaborate on how someone so very genre, how he influences a high show like Leverage? A uh, character stuff. I mean, he was he was one of the first guys to go and to try to do. Uh, we're talking about this because uh, I was talking about um, the Avengers trailer, and I saw the first minute of the bit with Scarlett Johansson. They've got like previews up, mm -hmm. and there's a moment where she throws a look that I have never seen Scarlett Johansson throw. Like I did not know she had that in her toolbox, and it utterly changes the way I look at that character. Uh, just because of the way different directors have handled her. And it was uh, handled Black Her's Black Widow. And I think why I admire him is that he kind of figured out that he just wants to tell stories about people in extreme circumstances uh, regardless of the setting and has found settings that are extreme circumstances to draw those responses out. And he was one of the first guys really to try to drive the banter-heavy five-hander, in, not in half hour, mm -hmm. but in one hour. Um, and certainly his use of humor. I mean, he came out of half hours. I know his father was a, a half hour showrunner. And his dad uh, was a, his grandfather was a writer too. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I and you know when you watch Buffy, it is horror. It's you know it it it'll make you laugh out loud, and it has these amazing hero moments, and it'll make you cry. And if you look at, I mean, I've, I've read uh, interviews with David Chase and The Sopranos, who who mentions Buffy as one of the great television shows. And, you know, you see a lot of the same things in Sopranos is, is the amount of humor in it. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, it's I think that's the thing where we're able to, you know, we go for a big laugh in an episode that will also make you cry that some people feel like you can't pull that. You can't yeah. you can't go from from one extreme to the other. And you can. Yeah. Also, taking your taking seriously a moment without taking yourself too seriously is a tricky line to do. Mm -hmm. This moment is utterly sincere in the setting, but at no point will you like descend into sort of maudlin self-examination. Right. It's tricky. Look, the guy, he, he bats, he bats right, throws left. I mean, there's not a, not a lot he can't do, and and hitting all those bases is one of the things that makes audiences of every that like a little bit of something come to the show. And kind of talking more about writing our show, what are the pros and cons of doing a genre series? Do you feel like it sometimes limits a show and what it can and can't do? The, 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 the heist and con stuff is what, that, that structure is what murders us, but the, uh, the tone 
No, I don't think. I mean, yeah. if anything, we're freed up because mm -hmm. if we want to do a comedy one, we can. If we want to do a serious one, we can. I mean, we did Serbian orphanages, right. Serbian orphanages with Hell Force in the middle of that. Right. You know, we did Grave Danger, and in the same season, the Office Job. You right. know, that, that that is the freedom of genre. Is people are there to be entertained? They don't necessarily. If, if they get an off speed, that's kind of what they're hoping for is an off speed. Yeah. And we're you know we always bring character out of plot. Uh, we don't we don't take a we don't take a breather in the middle of a scene to say I'm I'm worried about Frank. We you don't have those scenes. We don't have Frank we don't have the that. I'm worried about Frank scenes. Yeah. Uh, if there's an issue between two people, it'll come out in them doing something badass. Hopefully they're upside down when they're discussing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, that's that's something you'll see on typical shows. I'm yeah. worried about Frank scene usually in just about every other yeah. show. Well, I think in in this case, and um, there's a lot of uh, there's been some some shows that have the you know victim who's been disenfranchised by the evil whatever, and and um, I, I think it's a strength of leverage that we can have, as John was saying, you know some some victims that have really been screwed over by the system, and yet the tone of our show isn't always dragged down by that person. You get the entertaining kind of uh, Elmore Leonardy fun con heist tone that is uh, is true to each episode of Leverage um, and doesn't necessarily have to get, you know, as I said, get weighed down by the seriousness of the offense against the, the victim. Yeah, because the character, if the character isn't sincere, the morality comes out of the characters and you don't have to preach about the morality. Right. Mm -hmm. my, my goal for this show, uh, personally, is that you go, wow, that was great, that was full of action and I laughed. I hate capitalism. No, no, that's not what. That's, that's, I've, and we've, I've slid socialism in underneath the, the, the laser grid and the hacking. No, Does but. You, do you hear the knocking on the door? Uh, right yeah. now? We're not even being broadcast, yes, and they're, they're already there. They're already there. The TNT is already there. No, but you're, you're right. It's, it's the. It, you don't have to stop and say this is a bad thing. It's sure. just kind of mixed in there, and that's why our people are out there punching people in the neck, because well, they're we, avenging. In most hospital shows, procedurals, you're, you're dealing with the victim. Mm -hmm. Or you're trying to figure out who the villain is. So mm -hmm. you're talking to very emotionally neutral people in the interrogation scenes and that sort of thing. Only Law and Order, where you kind of, in theory, know who the bad right. guy's back half. We spend all our time with the villain. Right. The villain's right. an actual character, really the only recurring day player. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it changes the sort of tone, because it's a, we're allowed to be emotionally invested in a very aggressive way. Mm -hmm. and, and as also opposed to poor so-and-so. Yeah. Right. And typical typical murder shows also, and, and I mean, if you, if you watch them, the reality of the uh, the loved ones coming in is completely. They don't show grief at all. They no, basically I mean, somebody comes in, they've lost their husband or their sister or whatever, and, and they're just numb because yeah. they have to give information and then leave. Yeah. And it and I think it always kind of leaves it, it's emotionally distancing for a viewer because you yeah. think, well, that's not the way yeah. anyone it, would respond if they're. Husband died. If it was real life, it would be like Castle and Beckett doing banter while Michelle Forbes from The Killing is yes, like freaking exactly. out. Yes, He's in a fetal like position that. on the floor with the bath, okay, with the yeah, bathtub running. You know, over. this reminds me of my fifth novel. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Yeah. Ah! You know, that's it. Yeah, you can't show You can't that. really mix that. Yeah. And By the way, I totally want that matchup now. Yeah. <laughs> I totally want that. <laughs> uh. well, and moving on to our next question. <laughs> Uh, I'm calling Michelle. I'm calling Michelle. Doing, yeah. Next question. When do we get that TV show? <laughs> Leverage has been compared to the classic Robin Hood story of robbing the rich to feed the poor. Was this an intentional adaptation of an old story that you updated to put a new spin on the genre? Oh, I, I think it was. it's an archetype. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, you know, we were tasked with uh, a heist show, and I think, you know, you want to root for your, your uh, team of thieves, and so it seemed like a logical thing to make them Robin Hood thieves. 
to, yeah. so that you would root you, for them. Again, it's 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 about morality. It's yeah. like you want to watch people who you admire and are good at what they do. Look, it, it's pulp. I, I want to see competent people doing really interesting stuff and being amusing while they're doing it. Mm. And and in order to be invested in that, I want them to see them doing something worthwhile. Uh, and so I wish them to see them seeking vengeance. In that right. case, if they're criminals, Robin Hood just you just fall into that. Right. And, and the fact that uh, it was created at the time of a, of a global financial collapse, or orchestrated it by by Wall Street intentionally cats, orchestrated by uh, was, yeah. was just a happy accident. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting because it, it's kind of born out of the discussion you and I were having when the show was born of why were these other very well written con and heist shows failing. And it's because they were very gritty and smart and true, which is criminals were doing bad things. Right. And just you don't necessarily want to see somebody do a bad thing, no matter how clever, week after week after week after week. You know, even Breaking Bad, the, the genius of the first season of Breaking Bad is uh, he he's wants to leave something for his kid. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he's right. going to have a baby. He's got yeah. no money. This is going to bankrupt him. I mean, even if he's doing a bad thing, he's doing it for the right reasons. And you, we can all kind of understand that. Um, you know, a show which was great, Andrew Brower's Thief, it was dramatic, but at some point, it's like, I just, I guess I care about them stealing that money. I don't know right. why. I, I guess because they're invested meeting in, in a dark basement with steam coming out of the pipes. <laughs> they're, they're talking an awful lot, yeah. yeah. And that kind of leads us into our next question. How does leverage differ from a more traditional 70s heist show? What are some of the challenges involved in keeping these stories fresh and still working within that genre? It doesn't differ at all. It's intended to be a 70s heist show. <laughs> It's like it differs from 90s high shows and 80s high shows, but not 70s. 70s. If television were one long continuum, would we, we would be on Friday nights between It Takes a Thief and Rockford Files. If like yeah. that was if TV were eternal, yeah. that's the time slot I'd want. Yeah. Um, it, it, it differs in that we... Um, well, the tools, obviously. The tools, obviously. But I'll tell you what, it's a little more cynical. There yeah. was... You were still coming off of... Go read Glass Teeth by Harlan Ellison. You were still coming off of the agonization of television a little in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it was very hard to convey bad people um, doing good things, right? You know, and so a, l- a little bit, but we're we're in the spirit of true. that. We celebrate that, right? Yeah. Mission Impossible was, the, you know, this uh, you know world where uh, you know the, the Iron Curtain, you know, was yeah. something that we needed to have a, you know constant vigilance over, and uh, every week they. They went after what's the country you call? They went after. Every oh, week? oh, San Lucasdale. <laughs> right. Mission Impossible had a bizarre mix of Russian and Latin American villains that somehow were interchangeable, and so I always pictured that. And when you saw the signage in Mission Impossible, it would be half. It would be like Cyrillic and then no Entrada, like uh, underneath. Yeah. Like, what what country are they in? Yeah. So yeah, San Lucasdale became my shorthand for you know, yeah. a, when a when a fat guy in a suit came out, he could go da. Or C. Yeah. Either way, it could yeah. go. It's yeah. Something foreign. Yeah. So, do you think that leverage, with its solid roots in reality and its use of seemingly futuristic technology, has kind of spearheaded a new, a new genre in television? I think we brought back a genre. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, exactly. I mean, we, you know, we are not trying to claim that we've invented anything <laughs> revolutionary, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think you, you know we we see a lot of yeah. uh, that question was a little Pravda like. I think we can take out the compliments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like you know, do we think we we invent anything? We didn't, but but, but we're seeing a lot more t- uh, team oriented action shows that Certainly. have a lot of the a lot of the same character kind of archetypes. Of 
first we're, we were the first in the new cycle of Con and yeah, Vice shows, exactly. and there was enough of a development sl- like lag there that you could tell people went, oh, that works again. Sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it's just like when a western hits. All of a sudden, the western cycle starts up again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it it really is. Everyone waits for that first mover to see if a genre it will it is in the right zeitgeist to capture the mood. And I, and I will say, I think one of the challenges we're facing is as as the new Gilded Age becomes the new normal and we become tired of being outraged at, at, at corruption, it's harder to do the show because it's harder to get the audience. The audience is, you know, it, when the show started, the world economic system was collapsing. We were finding out that people were foreclosing on houses that they didn't own, that they had these financial mechanisms in place mm-hmm. that made no sense, that were just geared to make them money, not support the economy. And people were like, my God, how did this happen? And now when you read those articles, people go, yeah, well, that's what they're like. It's, there's a the, numbness. There's a numbness, and it's, it's the new normal. And you know how far? How do you get? How do you get outrage in the new normal? Right. But yeah. but going off of that, in terms, you know, yes, it's always it's always great to to have a to write a show where you know the audience is going to be outraged at this particular crime. Yeah. But you know, now that now that we're in season five of the show, and you guys have have, have said there's some crimes, um, you know, embezzlement or whatever, where we've we've used them maybe twice, but there's a different con. Or you know, yeah. or heist associated on our on our side of the, the fence, uh, associated with each one of those crimes. That that's that's just rich storytelling. I mean, you know, some yeah. of these crimes are so basic and they're yeah. so common that we you know we can use them twice and do a totally different episode each time. I'm thinking specifically of the the one that I'm writing uh, for later in the season, titled TBD, um, where where we've we've kind of done the the villain's crime before, but we're approaching it in a whole new way. So while it, you know you, you yeah, do take out the outrage a baseline that yeah. the audience goes oh I know what he did how yeah. are we going to get him exactly yeah, it's true yeah, I mean yeah. look murder is the crime yeah, on yeah, and on yeah. every Most other show yeah. it never changes yeah. also the the cool thing is because of the research we do we find a lot of new crime as a matter of fact there's a lot of stuff that we we spend a day on and go that is super fascinating and no one will ever believe it's real <laughs> and so we have to put it away until it finally makes enough news that we can then do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we spend at least three or four times a year with with the network, and we have to convince them something is real. Oh, wow. There's one yeah, we can't. We I, I don't want to spoil it, but there was one that's a the most seemingly benign, uh, uh, you know, enterprise, and and behind it was just it a. Was, it was the angriest <laughs> I've seen the room get in a long time. <laughs> I won't really say what was. it was. Well, I won't say what it is. It's very early in the season. It's one of those. Hey, there's corruption in X. Oh, there can't be corruption in X. And by the end of it, sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, it's, and that's kind of fun is now that we've moved past the embezzlers and stuff, you can start yeah. getting into the, there, I was reading a script the other day, um, set late in the season, and it was about, I, I won't say what the setting is, but it was about uh, agricultural workers mm-hmm. was, the, was the thing, and I actually had a moment of re- realization, because it's based on a real case, where I had an Elliot moment. I was like, at what point did it become okay to do this? At what point did someone who isn't the worst monster in the world think it was just okay to treat other people like this? And that that constantly amazes me. Is like we just find another little corner of someone where they just let themselves stop caring and slid from careless to negligent to monstrous, really. Well, and on that note, now for something (laughs) a little lighter. Uh, if Leverage were to go buckwild and do a crossover with another genre for an episode, which genre would you like that to be? 
Wait, what define, you have to define Buck Wild, though. <laughs> I, I, don't know I, I see a hot no, It's not Buck Naked. I see a disco ball. No, it's definitely not Buck Naked. No, Buck Wild. You know Buck Wild without getting Buck Naked. Good. Yeah. Let's hope. I'm thinking like 70s amounts of Coke on that glass table. Just like it's just crazy in there. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I actually write the comic book for it. It's um, I write the Dungeons and Dragons comic book, and uh, there's oh, been yeah, a lot of right. really, it, really cool mixture of fantasy and heist and con stuff lately. Uh, the Mistborn series uh, by Brad, I think it's Sanderson, um, uh-huh. is a is basically one long. Uh, it's an evil overlord with magical powers, and there's people with magical powers, but the whole center of it is a a crime family trying to pull off the greatest heist ever. Right. And it just happens to be happening in a magical world. Hmm. And it is, it is, if you took the magic out, you'd be re- reading a Lawrence Block novel. I mean, it's That's really awesome. great. Uh, I think that is, yeah, I mean, you could probably do a version of us uh, with urban, what's called urban fantasy, which is like the Buffy level of magic. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, I mean, look, you know, who would have thought you could do a heist uh, mixture with a alternate reality, uh, and there was Inception. I mean, yeah, that was like that was a perfect example of a giant hit. Of a, look, Fireflies of a, a crime crew. I mean, yeah, they don't. They a lot of times they spend their time running and trying yeah, to get their asses kicked. Bird. But you know, the the basic premise. Uh, there's a reason they switched episodes and made the train job the first one they broadcast rather than the original pilot. You know, it really mm. gave you a sense of what the show was about. Yeah, boy, I don't know. I mean, we you know we sort of bomb into different genres every week. We'll do. A western, we'll do a romance, we'll yeah. do, uh, uh, you know, a crime drama. Yeah. You know, we, we do a lot of different genres uh, within the context of the show. I know that I was recently at a, a leverage convention in Europe, and I asked uh, the folks there what what they most wanted to see. And the uh, in, uni- in unison, the all many countries of uh, the EU cried out, a musical. Oh no! <laughs> Which will not no, happen. No, that's not happening. That but is it is amazing that that's happening. what people want. No, no. <laughs> no. Don't look at me. I'm not writing it. No, just, yeah, I tell you what. That's why I hate Joss Whedon because he fucked it up for the rest of us by <laughs> yeah, doing boy, the musical episode. Now everybody wants a musical episode, and he spent like three years making that thing. Did he learned how to play. He piano? learned how to play piano. I don't have yeah. time. I'm a functioning alcoholic <laughs> with an Xbox. When do I have time to learn how to play piano for your people's amusement? <laughs> Well, Grifters, while there's not a musical episode of Leverage, <laughs> don't forget you can download all Season your favorite six. Leverage episodes from the iTunes store. Um, and to wrap us up, our final question is a fun one. If each character could have their own spinoff of a different genre, what would it be for each of the characters and why? Mm, let's see. Well, I think I think Elliot, we'd give him a straight up like... Uh, yeah. Spy story type, strike backy type thing. I'd I'd put I'd put Elliot and CD bars across the world, nice. you know, mm-hmm. rescuing nice. rescuing hot aid workers mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and wreaking vengeance. And I'd team them up with Mark Shepard. I'll tell you what, I Mark Shepard and and Christian Kane, like uptight British agent and ass kicking American. I would be my ass would be in the seat every week for that, mm-hmm. no question. Um, what else? Uh, well, certainly Al is an action comedy world. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah. he could he could rock that out. Yeah, um, you know, romantic romantic comedy for Parker, no yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it could look, be fun. That's that's the you know a fantastic actor, and she oh. the yeah the fact she manages to damp down her natural charm to mm. fit Parker's kind of offbeat yeah. is is always amazing. I I I think I think I, I tell you why Parker would work in science fiction. Because uh, she just accepts 
what is told to her is reality or she sees as reality. And as a result, you would not have to deal with a lot of the, wait, they're aliens? You'd actually get the fun of, oh, aliens, and then go smite them. Yeah. Um, Nate? I think, I think he'd, he'd be great in a Western. As the Western comes back. He does. He would be good. He yeah. has, he has. Nate Ford the, is a natural place He for is the, the beleaguered sheriff of that frontier town. Yeah. You know what? You know? I, I do, uh, I put Sophie in like um, House of Games. Oh. I, not, not House of Games, House of Cards, the, the British political. Oh, thriller. political. Yes. He'd be great in yeah. that fast talking yeah. political thriller. Well, and that wraps us up for another episode of the Leverage 10 podcast inside the writer's room. Thanks, as always, to our writers for joining us. And thanks again to our audience for listening in. And tune in next time, Grifters. And don't forget, you can always get your leverage fixed by downloading all your favorite episodes on iTunes. Thanks again, Grifters.